0: Before we start today's show, I wanna say something. Across North America, people are rising up against systemic racist police violence. The drug war in Canada and everywhere else has been a white supremacist project from day one. The police are its shock troops. It's a war on black, indigenous, and poor communities. And that's no accident, it's part of the plan. For years now, the Vancouver area network of drug users has said that we need to defund the police. But instead, Vancouver police budgets have shot up over the last decade. Vancouver cops have become more militarized, with acoustic weapons, battle-ready cop cars, and an armored personnel carrier. Cop show storylines with good guys and bad guys, and politician narratives about security and chaos are so ubiquitous. Sometimes our collective imagination itself becomes policed. But now hundreds of thousands of people are defying that cop within, and the cops on the streets. imagine a future without police. The Crackdown editorial board knows police violence intimately, and we stand with everybody fighting anti-blackness, colonialism, and police brutality. I'm Garth Mullins, this is Crackdown. Episode 17, Class Action On May 27th at 3.19pm, I got the email. It was from the BC Association of People on Methadone's lawyer. It said, Hi Laura, hi Garth. Please see attached draft of our proposed class action. I felt prickles in my scalp. Keep it confidential for the moment. I'm hoping to file next week. As I opened the PDF, clusters of words and phrases fought to get in my pupils. Supreme Court of British Columbia, Malincrot, Her Majesty the Queen, and right near the top, Laura Shaver, the lead plaintiff. Numbered paragraphs scrolled by, my eyes twitched. Holy shit, this is it. After more than six years, it looks like BC's methadone patients are finally gonna get our day in court. If you listen to this show from the start, you know the story. Back in 2014, the government switched nearly 15,000 people from generic methadone onto some new cherry-flavored stuff called methadose. Most people didn't get a choice, that was just the new deal. But people suddenly started waking up dope sick, many for the first time in years. We fought to get the old stuff back ever since, but the government has denied us over and over. More recently, we've won a few concessions, but most people are still on methadose. I pour a coffee and sit down with my laptop. I start to read the notice of civil claim right from the start. One paragraph vibrates on the screen. Paragraph 22. It says the switch was one of the, quote, contributing causes to the overdose epidemic. I remember going to memorials. It felt like every week back then, but nobody believed us. To see it here, in black and white, it's electrifying. But then I started to get nervous. Our little group, BCAPOM, is going up against some very powerful forces. What have we gotten ourselves into? So what do you wanna do? I guess uh, we could both stand under here. Here, I'll, uh, let's just stand apart. I got, I got this mask. Okay. Laura Shaver and I have been friends since before the switch. Laura's a methadone user and the president of the BC Association of People on Methadone, where I've been a member for years. She's also one of Crackdown's editorial board members. I told Laura I wanted to meet her and talk about the case, so we decided to meet up outside, on the street, standing two meters apart. I was wearing a mask and it was raining. It all made for a little bit of a weird conversation, but I didn't care. Um, So, like, you are the lead plaintiff in this case. That means you're representing just about anybody who was affected by methadose, methadone, all of this stuff, uh, how does that feel?
1: That feels like, uh, it, it feels heavy.
0: Like, it, how do you mean?
1: Like, well, it's, it's, it's so important. So many people's lives were affected. People died. I went into my pharmacy and I gave the prescription to my pharmacist.
0: This is a clip from Crackdown's second episode, Change Intolerance. In this piece, Laura describes the first few days after the switch. Laura didn't like how the new stuff tasted. Aside from that, things seemed okay. But then, a few days later,
1: it was the middle of the night. I think February third. Um, I woke up feeling like I, my legs would were moving and couldn't sleep, and I felt like twitches. This, by the 6th of February I was really my body really felt it like it was it, it, it was bad and I started to use I started to use heroin right then right away because I'm not I, I can't do withdrawal it doesn't work for me. No doubt. I was I was clean for many years it would think like four to six days I was I was a fled, full-fledged injection. Opiate user
0: again I'm reading from the notice of civil claim now the force switch to methadose caused or contributed to adverse consequences for Ms Shaver Ms Shaver relapsed into using non-prescription drugs including heroin and the synthetic opioid fentanyl. Ms Shaver experienced social destabilization and physical and psychological battering as part of the opioid treatment relapse and this didn't just happen to Laura virtually everyone in the BC Association of People on Methadone just stopped turning up to meetings. One of those people was Sharice Kiwatin.
1: You know, my best friend, my comrade, is one of the people that died. You can see in pictures, we have pictures of Sharice, where it shows, it shows her depleting.
0: Sharice is 10 years younger than me, I think, or was.
1: Sharice is, and And
0: when when I looked down at her, At the Glenhaven Memorial Chapel down there, in the coffin, she looked like she could be my grandmother. That five years of being dope sick every day put so, put a generation of aging on her, you know?
1: Yeah, dope sick means death.
0: Eventually, a professor named Ryan McNeil started to study what happened. Ryan's now a crackdown scientific advisor. Back then, he really listened to what we were saying. And when his paper came out, That was the first time we felt like, hey, maybe they'll listen to us now. Maybe we can get the old stuff back. But it didn't work out like that. Do you remember all the times when we went in there? When we went to those meetings with the college, with Mallinckrodt, with the government, when Charisse came with us. And Charisse, when she was still alive, we met, you and me and Charisse, we met with the minister. And Charisse cried, and you cried. And we had Ryan go through the evidence. And that still didn't change it. So, I mean, to me, that's why we're in court, because we tried every single other thing. You know?
1: We tried every single other thing. We were, begin- we were given an un- a-, a medication that didn't work. It's- it- that wasn't my fault. That- this-, this wasn't drug seeking. This was asking to stay on a medication that I was on that made me not drug seek. The people that caused this, the College of Pharmacists, Mellencraft Pharmaceuticals, and the province, I want them to look at me and see, like, this is, this is, I could have died eight. There was eight separate times that I kind of died, you know, and that was because I was now no longer stable on a medication.
0: I remember I was with you with one of those times last summer. It was fucking terrifying. I just, That's... I thought, Laura, it's so scary. I just thought I, I was going to lose you. I, I couldn't believe it, you know. And
1: yeah, and you know, this, this stuff, this, like. <laughs> Makes me
0: feel sick to my stomach. <coughs> so, Laura, our our little group, you know, that functions on a couple thousand dollars a year, has a meetings of about 30 people and stuff. Our, our little group is going up against governments and big pharmaceutical companies uh, in court. I, I don't know if we're gonna win. Do you have any sense of that?
1: Do you know what? I I I, I think for. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for talking, Laura. You're can I get a picture of you with the statement of claim?
1: Yeah, yeah, please.
0: Let's, uh, maybe we can get it shooting up the street here. You can, t- you can hold your umbrella if you need to. After talking to Laura, I decided to call Jason Graddle. Jason is the lawyer behind this case, he's worked with Laura before. They took the government of B.C. to court for docking people's welfare checks to pay private methadone clinics. Jason's also worked with me, too. So, you know, um, I, I, I remember kind of getting to know you a little bit, maybe 10 years ago. Like, you've, you've, you've obviously been, you've been at this for a long time, and you, you represented me personally and other activists around the 2010 Olympics, you know, um, when we were getting targeted for harassment by the cops. And you've, um, you know, you've been watching out for people around the neighborhood, and and, you know, like um, all all these different kind of cases. What what, what draws you to this work?
2: Well, I, I myself, I find it very, very empowering. It's one of the delightful things about going to law school, is that whenever you see something that uh, offends you or bothers you or grates against your values, you can go file a lawsuit to try to rectify it. You just print it up on your laser printer and file it. All you need is a client.
0: So and now you're involved in a lawsuit on behalf of, I guess, the methadone patients of BC and naming the provincial government, the College of Pharmacists, and a big pharmaceutical company. Um, can you describe the case a little bit? What, what is the case? Well, the case uh, uh,
2: is a class action.
0: Okay, so break it down. Yeah, what's a, what's a class action?
2: Yeah, a and, and class action is an individual case. Where if you can persuade a court that it's appropriate to do so, that individual case can stand in legally for the claims of however many people are part of the class. And so um, provided they have common legal or factual issues, the individual case stands in for everybody's case.
0: So in this case, all the shit that happened to Laura happened to all these other people. And so she kind of represents them.
2: That's right. So if. So that means if the if the case gets certified as a class action, then if Laura wins, everybody wins on the common issues, and if Laura loses, everybody loses on the common issues.
0: And and as a lawyer, um, when you're thinking about a case um, and you meet someone like Laura, like why is why is Laura a good person to be the lead plaintiff? Do you think?
2: Oh, she's uh, she's strong, she's smart, she's indomitable, and she uh, she knows her stuff. She's just she's really well educated. And 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 apart from that, one thing I really like about working with Laura is that she's uh, she's very self selfless. She's uh, she's altruistic. She's very she's very giving. She cares about the issues. She cares about the people she's representing. So she's a, she's just a joy to work with.
0: Right. And and how about on the other side of the of the courtroom? Who who are the defendants?
2: Okay. So we got three uh, three main defendants. The first is a. A company called Melencrot. They manufacture a drug called Methadose, which is a pre-manufactured uh, version of what uh, people for a long time were uh, were taking in the form of compounded methadone. The Methadose formulation is a is a is a premixed, more concentrated, cherry-flavored concoction put together in factories by the essence of the case is that, is, is, is two things, two factual assertions. One, methadose doesn't work as well as compounded methadone, its effects wear out more quickly. And that causes people to resort to supplementing methadose with other drugs, um, heroin, fentanyl, other, other opiates obtained without a prescription. Right. The second, Factual assertion is that methadone um, switching from methadone to methadose causes itself causes problems. It's the switch that causes problems. And here we ran into a situation, um, informed uh, by your in part by your excellent podcast, uh, where uh, it it would appear on the face of it that Malincroft made a deal with the provincial government and with a College of Pharmacists. To force everybody who is on uh, compounded methadone to switch to methadose even if they didn't want to, even if they didn't know about it.
0: And so that's why you name the second defendant the government of British Columbia because they are – there, you know, the, the, the other end of that um, that deal that you were talking about. Yeah,
2: so that, that, that's the province of British Columbia, and formally it's the Pharmaceutical Services Division of the Ministry of Health. Right. The, so the third defendant is the College of Pharmacists, who um, additionally revised one of their uh, policies to uh, force all pharmacists to stop dispensing compounded methadone and dispense only um, methadose
0: All right so the 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 factual the factual points you're making are there was a switch that was a problem, and then the thing people were switched onto was a problem. Are there any more allegations that are contained in this statement of claim
2: yeah sure there's the, there's a causation allegation so um what did this do well in in Laura shaver's case, um, this force switched um Within four days, caused her to start waking up in the night um, with cravings. She started feeling dope sick. Um, she uh, eventually turned to uh, street drugs. I mean, these facts, and and they're not they're not limited to to Laura. Even Laura, Laura went through some harrowing and hellish experiences, but they're not limited to Laura. There are thousands of people in, in Laura's exact situation who had the exact same problems with hearing. Um, to the uh, opiate agonist treatment after the fourth forced switch to methadose, and the, the the part that really galls me is that it it seems that the the manufacturer Malincron, the province of British Columbia, and the College of uh, Pharmacists, they all knew it. They either knew or ought to have known about it in advance. but even if they even if they can pretend that they didn't know about it, in advance they can't say they didn't know about it after the switch because within months of the switch the data started coming in that there were they were waking up with chills they were having cold sweat withdrawal right. symptoms and and they were dope sick they knew it the defendants knew it but they didn't react and frankly they still haven't reacted and so what we're uh, we're seeking um remedies for the entire class the first of the remedies is to, is to get that policy changed. There should be um, immediate and clear access to compounded methadone for anybody who wants it. It looks, it looks uh, from, uh, from a distance, it looks like a, a sweetheart, an inexplicable sweetheart deal for, for Mallinckrodt, delivered or served up by the province and the, uh, and the college. We still have to get a rational explanation for the change.
0: Well, I mean, this is one of the things uh, is one of the things about the case that I, I'm kind of really going to watch for because we did a lot of research, and you know, I've lived with this this stuff for uh, more than five years, and I've we've all wondered why. What what are the reasons behind the scenes, and we still don't really know uh, for sure, anyway. Um, and so I'm hoping that comes out in the court case, and I'm just hoping that we, on top of Everything else gets some answers to some of these questions.
2: Yeah, no. Sometimes you, uh, uh, the the government can can purchase its secrets by settling. Right. And and sometimes uh, you just have the joy of uncovering the secrets. I like I like both results myself.
0: It's just uh, it's 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 like it gives me it honestly gives me the chills to see something that we've lived like we've just we've lived it right at the right at the grassroots. And we've tried to convince important people of power of what was happening and that we couldn't make ourselves heard. And after a while, you just feel like I must be wearing a tinfoil hat to these people. You know, they just they look at you like you're full of shit or they pat you on the head or whatever. And eventually you start to second guess yourself. You know, like we all have a little 12 step sponsor that's sitting in the back of our skull saying, oh, you're just rationalizing the drug use or something. But then, when when we gather up all the evidence and put it down and, and serve it um, through the court system, it really has a, a validating effect, you know, of, of crystallizing the argument and just and kind of compelling people to come out in public and defend themselves from it. I, that's
2: exactly what it does. And this is the one of the undersung um, aspects of uh, the legal system: is uh, the the court system does have the power to compel the government executive, to generate a rationale, an evidentiary or evidence-based rationale for decisions that harm people. Uh, I, I find it very gratifying to be involved in um, those kinds of processes. And I have to say, I understand the frustration of, uh, of that Laura experienced. It sounds like you've experienced as well, uh, and many class members experienced it, I'm sure, to not be listened to when uh, the facts are on your side and you're speaking the truth and, and you're, you're, you're trying to persuade people who are the reasonably intelligent people on the other side of the table who do actually have the power to change your lives for the better. Um, to not be listened to uh, is, uh, it's in, in many ways, uh, destroys your faith in, uh, in rationality and in reason in uh, negotiation and uh, in, in human nature in lots of ways. But, um, you know, that, that's the nice part about uh, a lawsuit. It, can, it forces an open discussion. It, it forces your opponents to, to develop a credible uh, integrity-based uh,
0: approach. We reached out to Malincroft to comment on this piece and they did not reply in time for the broadcast. The College of Pharmacists and the Ministry of Health told us that they will not comment because the matter is now before the courts. Mallinckrodt and the College and the Ministry have a couple more weeks to respond to the statement of claim. May was lethal. More people in BC died of overdose last month than in any other month ever. The coroner recorded 170 suspected illicit drug toxicity deaths. That's a 44% increase from April, and it's up 93% from May of 2019. We knew those people. They were friends and family, colleagues and comrades. This lawsuit is not just about two formulations of methadone. It's about the overdose crisis itself and the government decisions that contributed to it. This is what happens when we're shut out. Government keeps getting it wrong and we keep dying because we're blocked from the decision-making table. I hope that the methadone case will make sure this sort of thing never happens again, that the government will think twice and even fear making unilateral moves. But I don't know what's gonna happen next. The documents are filed and now we wait. Crackdown is produced on the territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and tsleil nations. There have been mass arrests across the U.S., and protesters are sitting in jail right now. But you can help. You can donate to community bail funds. They get people out and prevent them from languishing in pretrial detention. They're also fighting to end the rotten practice of cash bail entirely. Find out more actions, links, and readings in the show notes. Our editorial board is Simona Marsh, Sheldon Castor, Greg Fess, Jeff Loudon, Dean Wilson, Al Fowler, Laura Shaver, Dave Murray, R.I.P. Dave, and Sharice Kiwaton, R.I.P. Sharice. Crackdown's senior producer is Sam Fenn. Our producers are Lisa Hale and Alexander Kim. Our science advisor is Ryan McNeil, assistant professor and director of harm reduction research at the Yale School of Medicine. Ryan and his partner Laura just had a baby. Welcome to the world, Cooper. I'm Garth Mullins, host, writer, and executive producer. You can follow me on Twitter, at Garth Mullins. Original score, written and performed by Sam Fenn, James Ash, and I. Our theme song was written by me and Sam, with accompaniment from Dave Jens and Ben Appenheimer. We make this podcast with funds from the Canadian Institutes of Health Research and the Social Sciences and Humanities Research Council of Canada, and from our Patreon supporters. Stay safe, and for fuck's sake, keep six.
1: You have been listening to A-Sided
0: Media Production. C-I-T-E-D. Find out more at sidedmedia.ca <laughs>